I, 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 frankly, I feel like we didn't even like touch the the tip of this of this topic. I, per se. We got to go deeper. Deeper, they say. Deep, go deep, essay. Yeah, like Inception. But yeah, we'll talk more about this next week. The third level. Third level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Two Black Nerds. It's been a while. Um, I hope all of you enjoyed our last um, interview. If you liked it, um, would want to talk to us, let us know. I did enjoy running. I enjoyed actually making the episode. Andy, hi. What do you think of it? I actually enjoyed listening to the conversation between y'all. Um, my bad for not being able to be there, but it was really interesting to hear about the evolution of the app, how it came about. Um, they had a lot of good wisdom in there, especially for people that are thinking about doing entrepreneurship or even doing their app. And what I found really interesting about it was that most of them are all business oriented in some way, shape, or form. They don't have a 24-7 engineer working on the application, but I still didn't like prevent them from launching out their like, excuse me, MVP or prototype of their application. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I did enjoy talking to them and I hope uh, in the future to talk to more people uh, like them if I get the opportunity and whatnot. Yeah. But um, what's new with you? Actually, yeah. Since it's been a while since we caught up. New with me. I mean, still on this new project at work, man. Oh, spoke at a conference uh, last Tuesday, uh, Front Porch. Wasn't my first time. It went pretty well. Awkward moment when I was uh, presenting, like, my old version of my slides for the first 20 slides. Because look at my notes when I, like, peek at my notes, I'm just like, this does not look right. And I was like, oh, crap. It was like, I forgot, like, uh, but now I was like, hold up, guys. <laughs> I, like, had to switch it really quickly. I'm like, all right, back to regular programming. Click. Got and it. I was like... Everybody else was like, they're like, okay, that was a smooth like recovery. Oh, but I'm good. going to, yeah, I'm going to Oklahoma City in two weeks for another conference to give the same talk, and I'll probably be going to, I'm going to be in New York City, second week of November for a class on project man- management principles. <laughs> dude, actually, no, dude, seriously, pay really close attention to those because you're gonna. Start. They don't really have a choice. <laughs> no, I'll I'll make a point is that you'll see, you start picking up a lot of the different things that are happening at work that made no sense to you prior. Mm-hmm. Like everything starts making sense if you look at it from a program manager's point of view, right? So yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, as far yeah. as me, um, I've essentially, uh, classes are winding down, soon gonna be, I guess, Christmas break, so I'm currently in the last- Holy crap, it's almost November. Uh, yeah. All right, continue. Sorry, reality just hit me. Oh, you don't have to write a da- your daily date in a not notebook or something. Not fam. Nope. <laughs> I forgot. All the dates just blend together, so yeah. I lose no. track of time. I have a lab notebook that I have to keep, so every single day, like I have to write down, like, oh snap, today is like the twenty fourth. Oh snap, today's the twenty fifth. Stuff like that. So yeah, and whatnot. So yeah, no class is winding down, so I'm looking forward to like finishing this uh this class that I'm taking. And it's going to be on to the next semester. Nice. Uh, I've also been reading a little bit. A um, few interesting, just more philosophy-oriented lately than anything. Which philosophy books have you been reading? 
so there's this uh, philosopher called Bertrand, uh, Bertrand Russell. He's a he's what's called a logician. So he writes about logic and reason. Mm-hmm. And he has this essay called on uh, in the praise of idleness, which essentially kind of puts work in perspective. It's actually really interesting. I would recommend anyone. Have to you recommend this? Yeah. Have you recommend me this before? Because it sounds really familiar. No, what you're thinking about is Seneca, right? Seneca on the shortness of life. Ah, uh, okay, okay. That's okay, the one I recommended yeah. to you. The other, this yeah. one is um, a little bit different because on the shortness of life was about more of like how inefficient we spend our life and how much we essentially we spend most of our life thinking about either what we haven't done or just wasting it on futile moments instead of trying to live in the present while yeah. the the new essay in praise of idleness more shows that it just say like it kind of puts in perspective work saying like if you really look at life and look at the moments that you've enjoyed mm-hmm. life it's not really when you were working it was more about the other times where you weren't working if that's the yep. case then why aren't we structurally why aren't we um, why aren't we focusing to structure our lives around not working instead of structuring yeah. around working so working it's it's a good it's a good read i haven't fully understood it yet so i'll probably have to read it again why don't you go like take a like you know a college class on philosophy while you're at it i mean the problem with that she was, just said she just said i took two because we had to idiot like you know during undergrad no those were okay those actually they're very back. good because one philosophy of, of food got to crush food for like 15 minutes or an hour 15 minutes no the thing like, is like uh, we weren't days. we weren't eating food we we're just talking about how do you think about the food system and how you argue for it logically right it was it taught me more about writing than and making arguments than anything else yeah we're but we're still talking about food actually i think if i went back if i i wouldn't mind taking college class in philosophy really like retaking a college class in philosophy. Like, I mean, now that I'm not doing it for a degree or anything, like, yeah, of course I would totally enjoy it. I mean, think about it. You're if you if you read it if you read things that you're interested in, right, and then you just talk about them. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty good. I'm in the sense like there's someone who said like philosophy was originally um, invented for people to think about life. Yeah. And I'm now at a moment where essentially I'm pondering this different aspect of my life and how I've been not only have been leading it and how, but also how I want to lead it. So philosophy is sure. a perfect frame for me to like pursue that. And that's one of the main reasons that I'm, le- I'm reading Logicians, just that is like, am I really rational enough, right? Or how do you Work. think um, logically? And then you can do that by reading Logicians or you can do more mathematics, which is, we can get into the whole whatever. I don't have it fully formed yet, but. You're talking to a computer scientist about logic Yes, but the thing is, like, there's logic about numbers and bits and commands, but there's also logic about what we do. Because us as humans, right, us as humans are emotional creatures, right? Most of what we do is not because it's erratic, not because it's logical or rational, it's mostly in response to to emotion. Dale Carnegie, there's a quote from Dale Carnegie's book, so, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I forgot, he quoted somebody else on this, but it says, when dealing with humans, people tend to forget that they're not dealing with creatures of logic, but rather creatures of emotion. Yeah, so, like, then, how do you reconcile that, right? 
Because like yeah. you, you need to recognize the moments where you're acting out of emotion, but also recognize the moments where acting out of emotion is the right thing to do. For know? sure. So there's a balance there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just like um, Bertrand Russell's uh, essay so far, like the ones that I've been uh, I had the chance to read. So good stuff. Yeah. That's a suck though, man. But now onto the topic du jour. Right before this call, we got into a little bit of discussion about Khan Academy and the future of learning and college tuition costs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be it'd be interesting to we both agreed it'd be interesting to uh, explore the topic on this episode as far as like how technology will affect it, how we think things are going to change and um, just have some interesting theories about the future of education. Yeah, so let's get it popping. Um, Where do you want to start? So, that's actually that's that's the, what I'm, that's yeah, the I'll most try, interesting I'll, thing, right? I mean... Uh, what were we talking We are just talking about, oh, right. Uh, we were talking about, like, uh, future and, like, oh, kids and... Oh, not like, kids. how you're going to tutor. Yeah. No, not even... Yeah, I was just like, two words that make me cry. Well, oh, wait. Okay, so we got into that. Well, first I said two words that are going to make me cry. College tuition... For whenever I have kids in the future, because that crap is ridiculous. Notre Dame, five percent fee increase every year. Like, son, that's higher than inflation. And then I was just like, oh yeah, and then it's like I need to do Khan Academy courses to stay on top of like my calculus and algebra, so I can like help my kid out with it, um, and my future kid um, out with it. Because uh, like I can't really do, I can do some integrals now, but not that many. And like, oh come on, man. Still, I don't. You I, man, still don't remember what the integral of sine of x is? Come on. Isn't that cosine x? There you go. How, how you said you don't remember that? What <laughs> yeah. about the integral well, of cosine x? Cosine x, negative sine x. All right, so you still got it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Those are the basics, I mean, man. Yeah. Okay, but like, when it becomes like second integrals and triple integrals, then that's when it starts to become a doozy. Because there's some weird rules that you have to get into with it. I mean, I've only... Have you ever used double integrals? Yes. Well, like in real life? No. But I, like, wait. Not, not for it, class. Like, yes. You only use it... You only ever need those in physics. Yeah, that's the only time I've ever used oh, it. In I just remembered. Wait, no, I think I used them in probability as well. I just remembered. Um, calculus was invented by Isaac Newton, right? Maybe? Question mark? Because if I, the calculus, if I remember, there was a saying that calculus was invented in order to do physics. You know that most most of the application of ma- of the many theorems we learn are applicable in physics. For example, triple integral only makes sense when you're trying to compute the volume of things. That makes right? sense. Yeah. Uh, double integrals are really cool, especially if you're trying to do um, change. No, changing electric field is still is still single integrals. Then you get into these weird contour integrals and stuff. Yeah, like, like math, uh, like a velocity acceleration. No, 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 double integrals are also used for physics because you the Gaussian theorem. Yeah, we can get into other stuff, but I think I may be wrong here, but I believe that most of calculus was created for use in physics and other applications just happened to fall from it. Word. But anyways, back to Khan Academy. We're talking about Khan Academy in the sense that um, I was like tutoring my kid in calculus and Romeo was just like, what are you talking about? Khan Academy is going to release like an AI tutor robot by the time to help out your kid with doing that. No, I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm not the. I didn't get that. I didn't think of that on my own. I think um, 
I remember correctly, this newsletter that I read uh, from Peter Diamantis, that's the guy mm-hmm. who, uh, who is responsible for the Ansari XPRIZE uh, Foundation. Yeah. And he mentioned, like, yeah, no, in the future, AI is going to be helping tutor your kids, right? Wild. Wild, but also it kind of makes sense, right? Because like, if you think about what Khan Academy is doing, essentially allowing you to study whatever topic you didn't understand, mm-hmm. right? And whenever, uh, so they have more clicks about what people are coming back to learn and what they're moving on to. Mm-hmm. So, and also if you look <clears throat> at mathematics, it's a pretty easy topic to map out as as far as if you think of mathematics in a, like the learning plan. Yeah, like a learning, if you think of mathematic yeah. as term of like dependencies between software, it's like, oh, in order to learn calculus, you definitely need to know um, import library of list of it, import library trigonometry, import library uh, algebra, import library yeah. powers of squares, stuff like that, right? Yeah, for sure. So mathematics is one of those topics that can be easily broken down into modules and can be taught to a computer. Well, not taught sure, to sure, sure. does it, but... We can teach it to teach us mathematics. Yeah, true, true, true. Hmm, that'd be interesting to see how uh, they take all that data. It's actually pretty funny though, because there's all these services out there, right, <clears throat> that have all this data, and like your data is a gold mine, right? People are just like, oh, the academy is free. Like, it's free for the most part, right? Yeah. They under the partner with other. Everybody's like, oh they, my god, like foundation. you know. So like. Yeah. It is free. So like you know, it may be free, but. If, if it's free, then the product is uh, you and your data, right? So Cloud Academy probably is sitting on a gold mine of all this data that's aggregated since since its inception. And I'm actually excited to see what they're going to do with this data in the future because there's so many companies out there that are trying to hire data engineers and trying to harvest their data and, be, and make answers of it. That's where Professor Shaw was like startup analytics um, yeah. comes into play, right? Because like they take all these large amounts of uh, data from companies and they run their classifiers and help them make sense and gain value from all this data that they have collected and like find these answers within it. So that's kind of interesting how all these companies, I want to see like where Khan Academy goes with their uh, data um, that they have. Uber, I mean, Uber uses its data for a lot of things like already. It's pretty cool. I talked to one. I talked like the lead data visualization dude from Uber. He's cool. That's nice. I the mean, God view. If when you, they can see every single car in real time. <laughs> wild. I mean, when, when it comes to, if, it, if we just come back to learning, as far as like, I mean, data can de- definitely help um, into mapping that out. And the good thing about, like, I, I guess that's one of the good thing about math is that it's, it's easily testable. Right. Mm-hmm. That means it's just that you can process the answer because it's typically a number, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a, a set of specific string, right? Like, oh, derivative of sine of x is cosine x, right? That's something you can type in. And the computer will easily understand because the only thing it's doing is just picking up the string and just like yeah. decomposing it. It doesn't know what it is. It's just like a bunch of strings that are just written in there. I guess mm-hmm. like the, the, the part of education that I have a hard time like imagining how it's going to work it's more like um writing per se right how's writing going to be taught if if writing is going to be taught yeah at all right or well can writing when will, be taught by a computer 
when will a computer be able to make a well-formed essay on a topic? Give me a topic, be like, hey, give me a 20-page report on this. If a computer can write, like, a college, like, thesis-level paper. There have been, has... there have been, um, whatchamacallit, there have been scientific papers that were written by computers by doing a, I don't know, oh, well, I'd have NLP to... is a very difficult theoretical subject. Hmm? NLP is a very difficult, like, area of study. No, the thing is, like, there have been computers that have written scientific papers and submitted to scientific conf- scientific conferences that were accepted. Um, Interesting. I, th- I remember hearing about it, but I, I don't think I ever looked further into it. But that's, that's getting, we're still getting a little bit away from the whole, like, education as we know it point i guess a good point to start is um what so with college tuition just forever become increasingly different like the first thing i think we can think about is is college going to still going to be there as we know it is college yeah. the same and how might it be different because you already have this degree inflation like we were talking about before this it's already this degree inflation that's going on right back in our parents day um back in our parents day and just like there's more, like you mentioned earlier, blue-collar jobs around, right? People didn't, not everybody had to go to college, and there was very, like, viable opportunities other than college for people to still have, like, that um, decent living and, like, middle-class yeah. background, right? Or middle-class uh, socioeconomic status. But, you know, we have degree inflation now. High school degree is enough. And a college degree is even still making it more difficult in some fields to get a like, entry-level job. Sometimes you need to get yourself a master's in order to make yourself more competitive. And as we have more and more automation via software and um, hardware of these like processes, whether it's in factories, uh, the checkout line at Kroger or Whole Foods, wherever the heck you get your groceries can at. I, can I just get a rant on the checkout line? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. Can, can we not make self-checkout a thing? Like, I actually, I don't like to bag you, my own groceries. Kind of thing. You mean? <laughs> like, I actually like to talk to a human being. Being and, like, have when, a conversation. Like, I, like I, every time I'm in the store with uh, either Trey or you, like, I, I'd rather go wait in line, even if I have, like, two or three items, because it's just, like, it's just so inhumane. Just, like, slide, like, beep, beep, put it in a bag and leave. It's, like, I might as well have bought it online, right? Right. But and it's, like, you know... It's funny, like, software has that effect. Like, we're becoming more and more, um, I think we're, like, becoming more and more out of touch with our surroundings. I'm trying to think if there's a better way to word that. But, you know, it's taken away, like, as technology evolves, we become less social, face-to-face social human beings. Or at least that's the trend I'm noticing. But it's okay. I'm not like I'm saying there's anything wrong with that. But it's just interesting. Well, I think what I would add to that is that we're going through a phase where we need to figure out what we want technology to do do yeah right and we haven't figured that out yet that's why there's a, yeah. a bunch of weird companies coming out of silicon valley or a bunch of useful companies coming out of silicon valley because we're, we're at a point where still we're trying to make sense of like okay we have a supercomputer on our hand what do we actually want to use it for uh-huh. and whatnot but you were talking about um, degree inflation before we mm-hmm. noted. We did a sidebar on that. And what exactly does degree inflation mean? Um, you know what I'm saying? 
There was we talked like literally the first time I heard about the term degree inflation was I think in my sociology class in um, college. I mean, so like I'm I'm guessing like what they mean is like everybody is it, like, is it the cost or or the value? No, of the, it the value is, of the actual degree is worthless because everybody the more and more people have the same qualifications as you. So as so we're always saying everybody get a college degree, get a college degree, get a college degree. But as we keep on focus, pushing for this higher education more and more, as you get more and more people with the same degree or qualifications, the relative value of that degree, since there's so many of them, dwindles. Now, granted, degree inflation can be helpful. Not, not helpful, but like there's exceptions, right? Like you have Ivy League schools that are like higher ranked schools that have a better like, I guess that society places a like higher value on their degree versus like a public institution, right? But still at the same time, like as we push for more and more like degrees in education, um, the more harder it becomes for like entry level jobs. And it's bad because like we're getting like we're having more and more people attain these degrees, but there's not as many entry level jobs opening up <laughs> to like fill the demand, I feel like. And I feel like the only exception in that regard is probably in computer science slash software engineering. Or not the only, one of the exceptions. Yeah, I mean even electrical engineering is still the same. Most and engin- STEM fields, yeah. Most engineering STEM fields are that. But I was thinking, me and my, I was talking to my sister earlier, and noted a point that Peter Thiel um, answered on Tim Ferriss' podcast a while back. In that, um, most people who have STEM degrees don't have an education; they have training. You, oh, you're talking about like they only know how to do their technical thing and do it really well? No, like where when we go when. So if you let's take like classical education, right? Yeah. Um, back in the day, it was like let's learn the learn the classics, learns how all how philosophers have thought about life, all these great books, and the idea was to give you a sense of how people have thought about the world, so that you can also navigate the world not only through their eyes but also formulate ideas of your own. Yeah. Right. When we went to school and have a college education, what well, they taught us was a, a, of arts. A, a very specific, like, you're going to have a very specific skill set, Yeah. Right? which is when I get a problem, right, whether it, anything in life, like, I literally always look at input versus output, and then I try yeah. to figure the middle out. What, what middle out? Uh, then I try to figure out what's happening in the middle. We, yeah. we are trained to break the problem into the smallest step there is, and the modicum, I guess the, um, not modicum, that might be the totally the wrong word, the avenue by which we're trained to break down whatever problem we see is through mm-hmm. calculus, physics, and things that are very, um, that can be partitioned in nature. Mm-hmm. All right. So in a sense, in essence, we have, I would say like we have more of a training than an education because when I go to work I actually use what I've learned in class like I do integrals I do circuit analysis I do uh, what should call it I use computers to run simulations like I write MATLAB scripts you know what yeah. I'm saying so the specific thing that was taught to me in class is the specific thing I am doing at work word hmm. right but so I wish I could say the same well, to a certain degree, you. you I'm more applying. I am, yeah, more applying what I learned from like my classes into like programming. Yeah, you're right. I am. No, using it. 
you, I mean, you're still using object-oriented stuff. Uh, yep, right? algorithms, you're data structures. Code, you're using algorithms. You're still looking at it as a system, input-outputs. Yeah, you're right. Right? Um, most of the uh, the search algorithms that you're learning, the bins and all that yep. stuff, things you learn in class. Yeah, you're right. So, like, you, the thing is, like, if you look back very correctly at the classes you took and everything you used from class, you just realize, like, if you go in a field directly related to your career, like for I guess yes, for the first two weeks that might not be the case, right? Or the first project that might not be the case. But the more you go forward, mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah, I remember reading that in class. Or I remember using that. I remember someone saying yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That's so true. As, as engineers, if you go directly into the field of uh, of that you went to school for more than likely you will be applying exactly what you learn, which is more like training than it is in traditional education in the sense, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Same with medical school, right? Like, uh, you know, they do all these surgeries, mock surgeries, and it's just training, you know? Yep. You uh, you get graded on whenever it goes, you get tested on various body parts, you know? Yep. You, need, <laughs> you, know, to, my you sister- need to be able to identify that in a cinch, Understand yep. how all these systems work each other, so you can kind of understand what's going on in the human body, but not exactly. So yeah, yeah, just more like training than it is an uh, education. And I guess like that's maybe that's what the future is gonna be like, right? Because I know, for example, like there's all these online spaces where you where you learn like a specific skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I know there's a website called Skillshare where people essentially literally teach a class on a specific skill, mm-hmm. right? I mean, on your resume, typically what they ask you about is experience and skill. Yep. Plus resume. Work experience, relevant skill. Plus yeah. education, you mean? Plus education, yeah. because yeah. that seems to be like the root basis of it. But shoot, my education section on my resume is like a little tiny portion. It's like most thing I have like front and center are like my experience. My skills and my, well, no, my experience and my projects, my awards. That's where I was like my main section of my resume. You see my resume design? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, well, I mean, also, my, my, my resume is about the same. It's just like education is two lines. No, three lines, because I yeah. have the date on there. But yeah, University of Notre Dame, class 2014, electrical engineering. I think mine took up four lines because I had to have Riley, dual degree, no, Riley honors program, whatever, for dual oh, degree honors program. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, no, that's always it's that's what it is, right? It's just like, hey, you know, and that that's where like I don't know how how the future is gonna reconcile that, is, yeah, you know, the sense of like skill skill versus education. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous about like in um, regards to education, not education, but like more specifically computer science education or software development and education. It? These coding boot camps, man, because like I understand that we need like more developers or like there's a short supply shortage of supply of developers in the United States, as we know. I mean, granted, there's a lot of like pipelines or like um, areas that haven't been like readily invested in by the tech industry. But um, these coding boot camps saying like, hey, take um, our class for like uh, six weeks or whatever, six weeks, six months. Well, normally it's like depends. Yeah, whatever, however long it is. It's 10 weeks and, plus, typically, that's the average. Yeah, thank you. And come out making a six-figure salary. Right. But I'm just, like, thinking about it in that regard, right? Like, 10 weeks? It's more than enough. No, it's not. Okay, 
I, I will ask you to do this. Separate all the esoteric um, and complex um, scientific computer things that you've learned and just put it onto the more basic of how to get things done on a computer, right? How to effectively program the requirements you're given, not to efficiently, effectively, right? Because if you think about it, just like if you ever broken down every different language that has ever been written, right, for computer programming, the first six, no, the first three chapters, all of them are about the same, right? Yeah. So once you get that out of the way, then the second thing that then that comes to to mind is um, what you're specifically talking about is algorithms. That's that's really yeah. that's the only difference between well algorithms, discrete mathematics, yeah, data structures. I will ask this question: What exactly did you learn in discrete mathematics? I'm I'm not sure. I didn't look at the I didn't look discrete at mathematic. the mathematic curriculum. Uh, proof by induction, let's see, pigeonhole principle, uh, big O, that's why I first learned about big O notation, like runtime complexity, space complexity, all that good stuff. And that's like our first, that's like the fundamentals for algorithms. Okay. You can't, you can't do like, you won't be able to do like data structures or algorithms without discrete mathematics. Well, you can, you can, let me, let me back. You yeah, can do, so be very specific about what we're saying. You need to know, like, discrete mathematics gave me the fundamentals I need, right? We're talking about, like, that whole, like, the whole uh, course tree or whatever for learning. Like, it's good to, like, learn discrete mathematics before going on to data structures and then before going on to algorithms. It's normally not ordered. Discrete, data structures, algorithms. Because what you learn in each subsequent, um, each previous class helps you in... in the um, later classes, specifically. But I don't know, no, man. But no, the thing is, like, so the point if is, you want, is if that engineer to build like a, like a high scale system. Like, let me let me uh, actually ask you this way: Do you think that Google would take somebody? I don't know. You think that ten weeks is enough for like uh, to take somebody from a coding boot camp and throw them into like working at like a uh, Google or like a. Uh, you know, go work at Google and optimize, like, this section, you know? They're not going to have that fundamentals and, like, algorithms or anything of the sort to actually... Again, unless remember what... The thing is, like, so I, I was... Um, I was watching a talk by DDH in the sense that you, you want um, uh, Heisenheimer, dude from... Yeah, Ruby Rails, in DHH? DHH, my bad. I was thinking of the dining hall. Never mind. <laughs> uh, the thing is, so like you want to separate fundamentals of coding and getting stuff done versus optimizing. Yeah. Right. Optimizing and do and the scientific part of it. Right. Yeah, I think that's why I struggle as like a developer personally though, is because I know so much about optimization. If I look at the code that I write, I'm just like, yo, this is so terrible. You know, I gotta like fight off that like urge to actually refactor it, because I have to get like, you know, I have to get crap done, right? Because I have deadlines to meet and like code to ship, you know, features to get out there, deliverables to meet. Yeah, so like the thing is just like the the um, the coding boot camps are serving a very specific need, right? There needs to be more people who know how to manipulate data to deliver the applications that are there. Yeah. Right. So there's there's a clear need there, right? And even if we're talking about from uh, from a standpoint of training versus education, this is where this comes into play, right? They're getting training, 
Yeah. In computer science. And the thing is, like, once you have the basics, nothing stops you from going to learning algorithm. Yes, it's going to take time. Of course it is. But it's yeah, not impossible. Yeah, freaking sucked. No, definitely not impossible. So then to your point, it's just that, like, being – you can be a good developer without having to be a computer scientist. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So what's your – then what's your beef with the coding boot camps? I just don't think like it's like a great idea to give like uh, somebody that's only been coding for ten weeks and like like all right here you go toss them into the fire without any like wings on you know. No, they already have wings. They they oh, can, they like, can what... read the code and make sense of it. Mm. Listen, I was thrown in class freshman year of high school where I did not barely spoke any English. Which is okay, guys. Let's well, like, can we just pause it? Pause right now. Keep in Roman just said that he did not speak English freshman year of high school. I yeah, barely, barely spoke English. And can we just take a moment to appreciate how like refined his English language? Well, not even refined. This dude has used bigger words than me, and I've been speaking English since like I was two. And so let's just take a moment to appreciate that because that's some impressive shit. All right, back to our regular I mean, programming. No, thank you for the kind <laughs> words. But essentially, so like the, the point I'm trying to make is just like you just if you give the person the starting point. They can go that, figure out that which is missing. Yes, it will take them more time, right? That's the basis of learning, yeah. Right, it will take them more time. But if you give enough people the confidence that they can code, those who are interested will continue, continue to learn on their own. To learn on their own, right? Because yeah. the point is... It's like the same thing. Yes, it's... I personally think coding boot camps are good, right? Because it's a short... Maybe not so cheap way, depending on twelve thousand dollars. Well, twelve thousand dollars is cheaper than a four-year college degree. Yeah, and depending if you if you take them the video ones, it's a little bit cheaper too, not the in-person yeah. ones. And also, there's a lot of good ones that don't guarantee they won't charge you until you actually get placed into a job after your graduation from boot camp. Right. So I actually, th- those have a pretty good model, in the sense that they're invested into. They succeed when you get a job, which is what you were looking for once you came there. But mm-hmm. uh, my point was that it's a pretty mm-hmm. cheap way, both in time and money, to figure out if you're good at it, right? The fact mm-hmm. that you're paying money is going to force you not to waste that investment, so you're actually going to do a real effort. And yeah. if you decide not to continue, then it's either a personal choice of like not continuing or you said, hey while this is great, I'm not really that interested into it. So, never mind. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, for sure. I think there, right. was a, there was a Stanford link. Um, there was a Stanford, um, what should we call it, design thinking boot camp that was rethinking um, uh, education and the, the future of college. And they outlined they outlined some pretty good uh, alternatives to how uh, current college is. So what's the link about? So I think the link is at uh, stanford2025.com. And what they went through is essentially is an exercise of like how will future undergraduate uh, experience learning in the future. And uh, they yeah. came up with uh, four, really four different concepts, right? And I'll try to summarize them as fast as possible. They, so the first one is, is called the Open Loop uh, University. And what really they were thinking about is just that, like, instead of uh, four years of a college education, 
right? Like from age 18 to 22, you have a total of like six years worth of learning over your lifetime. So let's say, oh, I'm going to take six months worth of credit at Stanford to learn topic X. And after that, I go back to work, right? Or while I'm working, I take three months worth of knowledge so I can apply it directly to my work back. And then I leave Stanford, then I come back to Stanford. So it's more the college experience. It just becomes more of like a continual learning process of like experience and also learning more like the co-op. I wish we had co-ops at Notre Dame. There's, I've been talking, there's been, uh, I know, I, I wish we did too. And then, that would have been, because like these dudes that do like come from like Waterloo or like Brown or MIT, etc. Yo, every other school, they are shitting on us because <laughs> they have, like, yeah, you know, I just took five months off and did a co-op at like whatever company. Like, yeah, okay. No, like, they, it's normal. They, no, they have a significant, I mean, I, I'm working with people who had co-ops before and they have significantly I'm younger, yes, but they have significantly more, you know, engineering skills that are valuable. Mm-hmm. Like they get more yeah. work done per the hour than I do. Yeah, because they have that rigorous training from having, from having like multiple co ops. Yeah. So anyway they have more work experience than I do. Actually on average they do have more ex- work experience than I do. Right? Uh, so that's that's the open loop concept. Mm-hmm. So then the, the other one is uh, what they called a, a paced education, right? So essentially uh, what they wrote here is like uh, structured. So it's, it goes from what we currently have, which is structured four-year courses of study uh, advanced students by seat on a quarterly rhythm to three phases varied in length to provide adaptive and calibrated learning. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think this. This really wasn't my 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 favorite one. And then there's another one called essentially Axis Flipped, right? Instead of like learning classes to um to so that instead of having classes be the main point, the skill is going to become the foundation of the class, right? And like yeah. one of their one of their key things that they had was this thing called the skill map. Oh, skill print. There you go. From transcript to skill print. And so the skill print becomes just like, hey, these are the things that I know how to do. Now, these are the classes mm-hmm. that I've taken. Now, so it goes from like, this is the knowledge I know about to... This is why I have actual physical hands-on experience with. That I learned. These are the things I know how to do. And then from that, you can derive knowledge instead of the other way around. Yeah. And the last one is called uh, Purpose Learning. And... Uh, so this one is like essentially where students have missions and um, declared missions and couple the disciplinary pursuit with purpose fueled by it right so essentially this is like oh hey I want to go and so this is like a undergrad full time startup kind of environment where essentially the learning is being done through mentoring and you applying your work yeah so all right I think this is. I'll, I'll send. I'll send you the link, and we can talk about this a little bit more um, next week because I think there's there's a lot there's a lot to there's a lot to this that we have that we have currently discussed. But one one thing that if we project five years out from now, I think universities are still going to be there, right? I mean, yeah. pricing structure might might change in five or two years, but I think universities are still there. 
will still be there for sure. Just it'll be it'll change its face. It'll it'll be really different from how we know it today. I mean, in five nine five. I'm talking about just five years from now, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. I think no. I think five years from now, we're, we still have the same kind of university. Yeah, I think so. I think once it comes time for our kids to go to college, the game's going to change. Considering, assuming we don't have kids until we're like thirty, so I'll be in like so in twenty five years. Well, sorry, I'm. 24 years for you. I'm 23. Oh, oh, when they go to college. Yeah, yeah like, they'll be 18, dude. seven years from now, 25 years. And, oh, like all of a sudden I was like thinking, I'm like, wait, dude, um, study, what are you talking about? It's like 30, you, you're going to be 30 in like six years. I don't know what you're talking about when you have kids. No, it's going to, it's going to be fundamentally different, right? Yeah. Very different. I mean, there's going to be so much free content online that the whole the whole idea of going everybody going to one physical place to study is going to be weird yeah like that whole aspect is going to be different is i think that whole aspect is going to change right mainly because you see of the way how work is changing that's going to transfer into how schools are also going to change yeah true 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 i i I, frankly i feel like we didn't even like touch the the tip of this of this topic I, per se. We gotta go deeper. Deeper they say. Deep. Go deep. Essay. Yeah, like Inception. But yeah, we'll talk more about this next week. The third level. Third level. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know? No, but I, I, I do agree that it's it's a it's it's a good conversation to start and actually gonna give me something good to think about. Yeah. Um a little food for thought. A little food for thought over next week. But yeah, so I guess on that note, the um, one thing I'm going to ask our, our listeners to say, um, you know, what do you think about education? Do you have any opinions on uh, training versus education? And how do you think the future of learning is going to look like? And I guess we're starting our first series on the future of quote unquote education by non education yeah. professionals. Yep. All right. Um, I guess this is it for this week. Uh, my name is Romeo Kuihangana. You can reach me on Twitter at Kuiromeo. I will do my best to answer it promptly. Yeah, and it's been Nihai. You can find me on Twitter at Kuchu, K-W-U-C-H-U. Uh, I'm pretty much on Twitter 24-7, so I'll probably answer immediately. But yeah, and you can find us you... also at Two Black Nerds. And if you want to email us, hit us up at hello at twoblacknerds.com. And it's been another episode. We've really enjoyed it. Take care, y'all. Until next time. Peace. Peace.